I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. As I begin to read the, the classic Mother's Day scripture, because I was, I was bouncing around in scripture this week, and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And uh, I was like, I don't want to preach the same old, same old, but he brought me right back to the same scripture. But as I read it, something else popped out to me. I been, began reading Proverbs uh, over this uh, next 31 days, so I'm uh, five chapters in. Um, and I'll tell you, Proverbs is one of those ones that is really... Richie, when you begin to read it into it, if you want to know how to live your life, sometimes we feel like it's hard to process all this. And you read through some of the stories in the Bible, you're like, okay, God, I know this is going to be practical to my life, but how do I apply it? But when you begin to read into Proverbs, it gets really practical real quick. And you can just take out a pen and paper and just assess yourself in Proverbs as you walk through it, and you'll find out like, oh, Lord, there's a couple of things I need to get at. Um, and in the very beginning, which we're going to get to today, here in a minute, it talks about really what the focus of this word is in Proverbs. If you don't know where Proverbs originated, Proverbs originated from King Samuel, or King Solomon, excuse me. Samuel was in the beginning, David, Solomon. Solomon, King Solomon, who they claim is the wisest man on earth. Because when you look back at the, the where King Solomon came from, he, I believe his heart was aligned because of who his daddy was. So King David... Bible, if you read his story, it is a, a ragtag uh, group of Mari Povich moments. <laughs> you younger kids don't have any idea who Mari Povich is, and I'd encourage you not to go back and review it. It is not good. There is nothing fruitful in Mari Povich, unless he was a news anchor early in his career and went astray. I don't know. Um, just don't go do it. But anyways, back in the days, kids, we used to have these talk shows, and it was just a parade of messes. <whistles> they would just bring out the worst of the worst. This is not your kid. It's just, it's not good. It is really, oh, it's the worst, right? <laughs> but when you look at Proverbs, so King Solomon, David was a mess all over the place, messed around, but the wrong woman had her husband killed. But even in that birth of that moment, their son was Solomon. And Solomon, because I believe David's heart, although he didn't get it right, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. See, that's another statement today about what we recently, like we just talked about. Like when your heart's right, it doesn't mean this flesh is always going to get it right. But you know what? Even when David got it wrong, there was correction that he received. It took the right person to do it. There's a, there's a sermon right there. Not anybody could have walked up to King David and held him accountable, but his best friend did in that moment and came to him. There was accountability, which we just preached a couple of weeks ago. See how this Bible connects? The story, the narrative is all the same when you get to it. The heart of God is that. He wants to build you up in relationship so accountability can be had. So when you do mess up, because you will mess up, there's people in your life that can come to you and say, hmm, it's not what I would have done. But even in those situations, the Bible says, all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord according to his will and purpose, right? Even in that moment, that mistake that cost a man his life, that sent David into a relationship with a woman that should not have been because of what he'd done, out of that place, there was a birth of a son who would become the next king who would rebuild the temple. See, David, because of what he did right there, couldn't rebuild the temple. Because of what you've done, I cannot let It was a Moses moment, right? Moses, I need you to speak to the rock. He didn't. He tapped it again. He said, okay, you can't go to the promised land because you don't trust me enough. 
David, you don't trust me enough in the, the circumstance of your life and you want to orchestrate with this woman. That, I can't trust you to do what I've called you to do. So I'm going to let your son do it. So Solomon, as he's stepping into being king, Solomon could ask God for anything. God said, Solomon, ask me for anything. How many of y'all want to get on that prayer list? Yeah. yeah. Get a phone call this week. Hey, Gary, this is God. Ask me for anything. I hope he catches me in the right moment if he ever asked me that prayer. Sheesh. I hope he don't catch me in an uh, Esau moment. We're just going all over the Bible today. We have a point. We'll get to it originally, eventually. Esau come in all hungry and tired, right? And Jacob wanted what he had and said, oh, Esau's like, man, would you just make me up some soup? He's like, yeah, give me your birthright. It's amazing what you'll ask for and willing to give up when you're hungry. Okay, that's another sermon. He come to Solomon because I believe his heart was right. And he said, Solomon, because of the way you've come to me, I'll give you anything. Solomon could ask for riches. He's got an open line to the heavens. Could ask for riches. Could ask for the glory of men. What's he asked for? Wisdom. Wisdom to discern and to lead these people. He's asking for wisdom in his calling. God, you've given me the ability to be king of these people. Now give me the ability to be the leader you want me to be. Give me the discernment so I can hear but then let me see it through your eyes, not my own, and give me the wisdom to walk in correction, to walk in discipline, to walk in wisdom, so that this group of people can be who you've called them to be. That's deep. God, I don't want it from me. I want it from who you've called me to be. So in that moment, God says, not only will I give you wisdom that you asked for, I will give you riches. Why? Because here's what happens when you get God's wisdom. It unlocks things in your life. I talk to business people a lot nowadays, and I don't know why, but I'm slowly learning. When you connect them to God's wisdom, it unlocks their business in a new way. Because they've been doing it on their own ability, and some of them are good. But when you position them for the wisdom of God and the heart of God in that moment, suddenly the doors just begin to open wide open because he can trust them in those spaces. It ain't about the money. It's about the people they're called to. It's about the people who work for them. It's a complete mind shift. It's just like you said, it's, it's who we're called to serve. So in that space, God just blessed Solomon. So now in the book of Proverbs, we see this is a book that was written primarily by Solomon, although it was a gathering of some other uh, wisdom speakers in those days that he connected. But he was the one that brought it all together because he really had the heart of what wisdom that the people needed. And even thus now, thousands upon thousands of years later, would need this to implement into our lives. They say he's credited for about 3,000 Proverbs and about 1,000 songs. So he not only... Was he a good preacher, a good king? He was a good worship leader. Solomon had it all. There's a reason everybody around the world, leaders from all the world, came to him. He didn't go to them, came to them. Why? Because he had that heavenly download wisdom. Okay, that was just a little history background on Solomon. Now we're going to skip to the end of the book, and it wasn't even a proverb written by Solomon. Here we are. But we're going to get back to Solomon's words because... A lot of the things, and when you understand who Solomon was and how he brought this all together, it was the heart of something he was trying to establish. And it's in the very last couple of words of this book that I believe brings it all together. And I'd never seen this before. But in Proverbs 31, 25 through 31, many of you have heard this before. Like I said, I've preached on this before. It will be on the screen. And it is really describing um, the woman. And in, in verse 10, it actually starts this way before you get down to uh, 25 through 31. It says, an excellent wife, who can find? And you see single people in the, in the room today. Um, you need to just develop some time to just begin to read over this book a lot, okay? Because if you can find a woman like this, sheesh. Okay, but we're going to skip all the way down to 25. 
It says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. How many mamas today are laughing about what's to come, or are you a little bit more anxious? Mm. I want you to listen to this. This is not an assessment of who you are. This is an invitation of who he's called you to be. This goes right back to what we just talked about before. So many times we get in this, we're like, well, I'm not that. I'm, I guess I'm a failure. No, it's not. This is an invitation to who he's called you to be. This is a declaration of what lies inside you. If he's called you to be a mother and a wife, this is it. The Bible is a declaration of your calling. It's up to you to walk towards it or to run away from it. Amen? 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Ooh, that's a bread that is served at many a tables today. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Y'all realize who said that statement right there? That is not in line with what he's saying. Go back. You need to hear this, men. Her husband also, and he praises her, quotations. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. In other words, that word's supposed to come from you. That is your declaration over your wife, not the wise man. Sorry, I didn't didn't know I was preaching to y'all today, did you? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Young ladies, you need to hear that. Young men, you need to hear that. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Today on this Mother's Day in 2023, I want to speak to you briefly about a healthy fear. A healthy fear. So when you read the book of Proverbs, like like I said, you're going to hear this word a lot, wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And it's coming from a very wise man. And then even in the, the exclamation point in this, as we talk about a woman and what she is and who she is, there even is in that mention, in that scripture of wisdom again. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So we see right there in her very character at the core that wisdom just flows out of her, right? Where does that wisdom come from? Because today I think in the world we're in, and that's very scary when a pastor says I think, right? But I think many of you will agree with me that this is not, I mean, This is not Jesus showing up on the news channel and CNN or Fox News, depending on what you listen to. God bless you. Well, we have Jesus on the line. Jesus, what would you say is the problem with the world today? Well, in my humble opinion, and we would all be like, yes, it matters, not Pastor Anthony's. But in my opinion, I really feel like the world around us, we're failing because we don't have wisdom. We live in an ignorant time. You know how I know that? is because this is the first time in history we don't even know what a man or a woman is. Ooh, we're going to talk about that, right? I'm sorry. But it is amazing. You cannot even ask the basic questions anymore. Like, the answers are all over the place. And it's based on a lot of times, well... Who did, you real, who did you go talk to about it? Well, I went to this group who kind of had these thoughts about it. And, okay, so now we're just thoughts and thoughts and thoughts. Opinions, opinions, opinions. We just got to this world of unknowns anymore. There's no wisdom in the world of what's right and what's wrong. We just assume or we're told or, here's the worst part, we feel. There's a whole lot of that going on, Right? Well, I feel that. And the sad part of it is it's even happened in this place. Because then I begin to start letting my feelings determine what this says. And it's happened throughout time. And we see moments of invalidation of groups of people because we felt something or read it some way or the other way. And it's invalidated people and who they've been called to be. 
So then ignorance based on feelings or opinions or thoughts now begins to undermine creativity and calling, like who God created us to be and who he called us to be. And this is where the enemy's got us stuck. Because if you don't know who you are, you'll never be who you are, who you were made to be, or do what you were called to do. Because that flows out of your identity, not vice versa. There's too many people out there doing things and it's become who they are, and they don't even really know who that is. It's just who somebody told them to be. So when we dive into this wisdom, I think speaking all of this about a woman, because right now, more than ever, we need men and women role models. We need marriage role models. We need parent role models like never before, because the outside of here looks very harsh, dim, dark compared to what should be in here. If we don't grab a hold of this truth of who we are and who we've been called to be, we'll never make a difference. And it's not requiring us going out there, kicking in doors and like, you're doing something wrong. No, it's calling of people coming together, men and women, men speaking over their women like that, women walking and seeking the wisdom of this, that when they walk into a room, somebody takes notice. I don't have to tell you who I am. You begin to witness it. And it's in everything that we do. We've been honored over the last couple of weeks to begin to do premarital counseling with Caitlin and Aries. I will tell you, the moment you start walking through something like that, God begins to reveal some things to you. We have a friend of ours here who's a a therapist today, and I guarantee as you've walked through some things with people, you walk away, you're like, huh, there it is. It's the same way when I preach sometimes. I walk away from these sermons like, well, I got to go write those notes down real quick because that extra chapter I read that wasn't in my notes, that one was for me. But it's been an invitation to really peel us back all the way because as you said in something like that, you set in kind of your shoes and you begin to look back at your marriage at where it started and I'm like, man, I wish we had this wisdom back then because what I see is the result that happened without it. So where does this wisdom come from? That's what I want to get to you. At the end of this statement about this woman, about who she is, it says, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now we're going to dive all the way back into the beginning of Proverbs because you're going to hear this statement quite often when you begin to read through this. Proverbs 1, 7 and 8 And you don't have to have your Bibles with you, um, but I encourage you to write these scriptures down so you can read them at a later date. These will not be on the screen. Proverbs 1st chapter 7 and 8 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm going to make an assessment of the earth around us. We are living amongst fools. (laughs) In fact, sometimes we are fools. If you could rename the Bible, it should be, you could learn a lot from a dummy. (laughs) Morgan was talking the other day to someone and she was talking about the children of Israel. She's like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, man, these people are just messed up and just can't get right. I'm like, yeah, we're not much different. It's amazing when you start reading these stories, like this Old Testament is big and it didn't have to be. Y'all realize, like, after the first really three, four books of the Bible, this is all because they couldn't get right. And then this whole part of the Bible was written because they didn't get right. Like, imagine that. We could have just, man, I could read the Bible in two months, not a year, if they just got right. Missed it. Missed it. Missed it. Oh, wait, go see there. Still missed it, missed it, missed it. Oh, dark ages, dark ages. God's finally like, all right. Jesus, go dig it. Missed it, missed it, missed it. We are just a a series of misses. The good part is there's just a healthy dose of grace pouring in here. Like, Ty got this new job at Jersey Mike's and then you can order a sandwich. You can put the juice on it. That's the grace. Put the juice on it because we just mess it up. 
So where does this lack of wisdom come? Where does this, why are we not seeking? We are all a little foolhardy in our pursuits. Why is that? I believe it is because of a lack of the fear of God. Now I'm going to give you a definition of fear because everybody's like, I fear God. Scared that he'll take me out if I don't do this or that. There's a different definition to fear. There's two of them. First one, the one we know quite often, especially in my house when it comes to bugs. Not Ty, I'm not going to put you out on front street, but my girls. An unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Any flying, any flying bug is dangerous. Just know it. But that's what we, we begin to think that way. So now we have this fear of God. And that's that, that negative voice in your head. That's the fear he wants to put in your life. That you're constantly walking through this danger of fear. Like, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. That's kind of how I was raised. That's the old 80s gospel. Hallelujah. That's how we got you in. I'm just trying to get you out of hell. And every day is spent getting you out of hell. And if you could just stay out of hell. And if you go to that honky-tonk, you're going to hell. You only know what a honky-tonk is if you come from south of the Mason-Dixon line. Those are not places you want to go. But we were doing our best to keep people out of hell instead of inviting people into heaven. And if that's all we've ever introduced you to, the only way I can get to heaven is from running from hell. I don't ever remember that message from Jesus. His invitation was always, come follow me. That's where I'm going, not there. You can hang out with that dude because that's where he's done, gone. Like, he ain't getting out. He's finished. His race is done. You can stay with him or you can come with me. So our pursuit now is in this wisdom. So it's not this fear of not making, a fear of ending up there then fear is the second definition. Profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. Profound. Okay, i got to look up that word. I didn't look up this word, but now I want to. Y'all know I'm a, a word person. Having intellectual depth and insight. Oh, I love when God connects dots. Because <laughs> i got insight later in my notes. Jeez. Having pro-intellectual depth and insight. So fear is the profound reverence and awe. Profound reverence comes from profound revelation. What does he tell the disciples when he asks them, who do you say that I am? Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Oh, well, some say this and some say that. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And Peter steps up and says, thou art the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. See, oftentimes we depend on flesh and blood revelation and will never reach profound reverence because we're only revering what we've been told about. You can sit in church and you can hear a lot of stuff and you can revere the God I tell you about. But until he becomes real, there will be no fear in your life. Fear requires response. Awe and reverence requires response. This is the purpose of what he said. In the Bible. What does it say? If you confess with your mouth, we just said this last week with those we baptized. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that is not a title, that is a declaration of reverence and awe. Think about when he's talking to the people back there in those days. If you were Lord, I depended on you. If you think about the lordship in those days, the ones, the servants that served under that Lord, there was a dependence. If the Lord don't have it, I ain't got it. See, we are self-dependent when we meet Jesus. So our wisdom lies in our dependence on our own ability, no matter how good or bad it is. So then when we take on Jesus, we take on him lordship in areas that we can't provide ourselves, but we keep the rest for ourselves to handle. Well, I was okay at my marriage before I met Jesus. I can still ride this thing out, I think. I'm not going to give him dominion over my household yet. I'll go to church and my finances suck, though. God, you can have access to my finances. Lord, be my Jehovah Jireh. 
He's like, I'll do it, but man, if you would just let me be Lord of all. The fear and the reverence comes into this place. So now when we look at this scripture in 1 Proverbs 7, 8, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom instruction. So now you become very aware when you look around at the world, anybody that despises you learning more, knowing more is a fool. Anybody that tells you, you don't need to know that. You know how many people have come to Christ because they said you don't have to know that, and then they picked up the, picked up the book and started reading it, and it's like, oh, maybe I do believe in Jesus. Because this book will take the good to God. There's a whole lot of good people in this world that think they don't need God, but the moment they connect with the heart of this book, it opens their eyes to something bigger. There's so many people who are on the cusp of connecting with God, that have got satisfied with good, and we, the church, have told them that's okay. So wisdom is the fear. It develops in us when we have that awe and reverence. It's why when we go back to the the Ten Commandments, thou shalt lose the Lord's name in vain, there is reverence in awe of his name. But how many times do we flippantly throw it out? There's reason that you don't need idols. There's a reason you don't need other gods because when you revere and awe him as the God, the rest of it falls into place. You'll get time alone with him, I guarantee it. Well, I'm busy, I really can't give him a day. And he's like, you can't even give me an hour. Peter, disciples, could you not... Stay awake one hour and pray with me? I didn't ask you for a whole day. I asked you for an hour. I'm about to die. It's about to be your name on the door, and you couldn't even give me an hour. We're not much different today, folks. I'm right there with you. In preparation time today, I'm like in there, and he's like, you just need to fall on your face a little bit. I'll be the first to tell you. I've gotten good at doing some of these things. I had to spend some time on my face today with no agenda, No idea, just God, me and you. Why am I telling you that? Oh, look, Pastor. I'm telling you to let you know that you're not any different than me. We are in a season in the world around us where wisdom needs to be had. And it's going to require us to get to a place of reverence and awe. And the moment you begin to put him at the headship of your home, of your life, it will change how you live. I guarantee it. We could go around this room today and say, how are you not living up to this word? Around the room, every one of us would be able to say something. And what if at the end of that, God said, will you give it to me? Because maybe that's the one thing that's holding you back from being a difference maker in the world you're in. This is eye-opening is what it is. This is not an attack. This is not an assessment. This is an invitation. This wisdom that he declared over this woman at the end of Proverbs, this fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. When we begin to awe and revere him the same way that some of these did, when Solomon came before and revered him, the Lord, the God, and said, if I'm going to lead these people, then I need to address the leader. If I'm going to get wisdom to lead his people, then I need to go talk to his. It was such a submission to who God was that he rewarded. And now in this statement of who a woman is, out of all the things she is, the final declaration is, it is because she fears God. So in 7 and 8, we see that right there. Now we, and this seven and eight, going back to the heart of the father, David in Psalm 111.10 spoke the same thing about fear. Oh, where did I have it? There it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So right there we see the heart of David was aligned with God. His actions always weren't. But at the core of who he was, his heart was aligned with him. And because of that, now it carries over to Solomon. So then, Proverbs 2, 1 and 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, it's telling us now 
as we position, as we begin to, going right back to what we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, seek and you will find, right? Right here in this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, 10 commandments, what I've told you, this is David passing on to Solomon. This is Solomon now passing on this knowledge and wisdom. If this is where our heart's connected and aligned with, this is our foundation, this is what comes out of it. And treasure up my commandments with you. Not just do them, treasure them. If you go back and look at everybody Jesus talked to in the Pharisees and Sadducees, no one treasured the commandments. They drudged through them. That is not reverence at all. Doing what your mom and daddy told you to do just because they told you to, guess what? The moment you get out of their house, you won't do what they told you to do because you didn't revere or awe them. But when you respect your family, when you honor your parents, when you saw them get through some hard times and they tell you to do something, you're like, man, I trust my pops. There was times I revered my dad and I trusted him and I did the right thing. There was times I didn't. It's the same way as our Heavenly Father, but it's the invitation. Yes, if you call out for insight, there's that word again, and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver, in other words, the moment wisdom and understanding becomes valuable to you like money, and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So these men who didn't know Christ then begin to seek Christ. If you've ever read... Uh, uh, Lee Strobel, a case, I think he's the one who wrote A Case for Christ. This dude was an atheist. Uh, another one is um, Sean. I had the book on my shelf. Anyway, another one of these moments of just atheist. In college, right? The university is the place to get knowledge. I didn't say wisdom. <laughs> Not always good for you. There's, there's good stuff there, but there's some bad stuff too. But it was in these places that they went out of their way to prove Jesus wrong. I'm going to prove to you that what you believe is false. When he began to search after it, he found the truth. He found the wisdom and developed the fear. Because when you find God for real, the fear is a result. I, I think that's why we don't have the fear as a focal point in the church anymore. Because a lot of people because we ran away from that 80s fear gospel and then we just gave out the grace love gospel, oh, Jesus loves me. He's going to love me in even when I do that. You know, I'm a good person. I'll open the door for somebody and I'll respect you to your face. That's about the extent of some people's goodness, right? I'll, I'll do something for a homeless person when somebody's looking. Man, can y'all get the camera ready? I'm about to go do this thing. You'll never believe what I did for this amount of people this week. I changed lives. Hallelujah. Your pursuit, it begins to differ. Okay. Proverbs 8, 13 and 14. I told you we're just going to kind of go through a little bit of Proverbs because I believe now is the heart of a woman as a mom, their own Mother's Day. I want to reestablish what Proverbs, what this wisdom develops within us and allows us to live and share with our kiddos. Because this is where we need to be at stronger is in our homes, around our table, around the bedtime prayer moments. What are we praying for our kiddos? Are we saying the basic prayers? Are we just saying the basic prayers tonight? Are we speaking life over our kids? Is the wisdom that we have because of our reverence and father of a holy God, is it allowing us to speak differently? That's what that statement was at the end of that, was when that woman knows who she is, she can speak differently over the people she's given Women are emotionally connected. They love their kiddos to a level that sometimes us dads can't do it. Just, we're not wired that way. But when you get a woman that is connected to this and loves her kids, this pours through her love to her kids and her kids walk out with a different mantle than kids that don't have this. Because the identity is assessed in her and she hands it out, the value that we just talked about. Proverbs 8, 13 and 14. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Well, there he goes. Now I'm just walking out of here. I got the fear of the Lord, and I'm just going to hate everybody that's evil. 
I got to put a disclaimer. Ephesians says it. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Go up and pinch somebody. If they scream, they're not your enemy. But it's the enemy, the princes of the air, the powers and principalities. There is an agenda up here that the enemy has control, that the devil is controlling, that is making people do things. We are brainwashed by a lot of things. We are led by a lot of idols, a lot of different altars. I'm sorry, we're not getting on that. That's next week. 8, 13, and 14. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. In other words, we're hating what's up here. And then the only way to disconnect that person from that is to be different down here. You can't talk them out of it. You just got to be different. You got to represent something that's better than that. If that's all they experience, and there is some good in that for some of those people because they have been in some jacked up situations. So the enemy can present them with a good model and a good product that is not that good, but it's just better than where they were. You got to stand out as different. That's why you need this wisdom. But it is your enemy. It stands in contrast. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Or we see insight again. I'm going to get that definition in a minute. Pride and arrogance. These are the first two things we got to begin to eliminate. When you have wisdom of God, you don't need pride. You don't need arrogance. Why? Because we've all been made in the image of God. How can I have pride and arrogance over you if you're made the same way I am? Well, my calling's better than yours. No, it's not. It's just as necessary as yours. Because I get to stand one, two, three, four, five steps higher than you does not make me five steps higher than you. It just makes my fall five steps higher than yours. <laughs> That's why I stayed out here with y'all. Everybody wants that till they see the fall, and then everybody don't want that. Or we Monday morning quarterback like, well, I could have done it better. Probably not. But the image we're made, you don't need pride and arrogance when you have fear because you know who he is. My three kids today should not have pride and arrogance over one another. Why? Because they know they have access to the same thing, even though they're different. Now, they argue over it sometimes. Our little one wants to, Mom, I didn't do that. Oh, Lord. You got kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? You always got that one. She just waits in the shadows. Somebody does something like a ninja. I would never do that. Some of y'all look like that in your Christian walk. You know what I'm talking about. Peacock it out there. Good Christian. It's true. Pride and arrogance is so ingrained into who we are. That's why people don't want to meet Jesus, because Christians are so prideful and arrogant about what we have. If I'm not running from that and I'm invited into that, I don't have to push you off the bus. There are certain religions out there that think a certain number of people is going to heaven. I love when they come to my door. I ask them, am I taking your spot or somebody else getting voted off the island? God bless them. They don't like coming to my door. Last time I came out of the garage and cornered two of them at my front door. Morgan's got it all on the ring cam. Man, they were there a lot longer than they cared to be. <laughs> Are you ready to make Jehovah your Savior? Well, yes, I am. Prop your foot up so they can't get by. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Let's talk about Jesus. It's fun. That's why this wisdom's great. It will prepare you for moments just like that. But I ain't loving prideful, arrogant. And I just want you to know the Jesus I know. I want you to know that everybody on this street can go to heaven if they want to. Okay. Hatred of eagle, getting rid of the pride of arrogance. That's wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10. I got to hurry. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There we see it again. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I want to give you this definition, insight, because we've seen it now in three different passages 
And we heard it even in the definition of that fear of getting that profound insight, the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding. You have the insight, you have the capacity because of the image you were made in to gain an understanding of God and the fear that comes with it. The problem is we just don't tap into it. We don't seek it out. We don't search it. The best the invitation of the Bible, seek and you will find. I'm telling you, your capacity will never run out for this. Your capacity for the world will run out. But the more you seek this, the more you find. And the more you find, the bigger he becomes. And the bigger he becomes, the more your awe and reverence is. And the more his awe and reverence is, the bigger your impact is in the people around you because you begin to walk differently because there is a God always watching. I'm not just good at church when my pastor is watching. I want to be good all the time because he is watching. Played golf with a guy one time and he had a bad shot. And he was like, gee, did it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, aunt. I was like, you didn't say my name. That was a bad shot, though. I wasn't offended. I just want to let him know somebody's always watching. Second, suggest depth of discernment coupled with understanding sympathy. I need you to hear this as we dive in, as we finish this out with heart of a mother suggests depth of discernment coupled with understanding sympathy. You want to know what's missing in the church today? Depth of discernment coupled with understanding sympathy. We get one or the other. But it's the moment you began to have fear in God and a reverence of who he is that you begin to discern and see things differently through the wisdom of God. And then it doesn't push people away from you. It opens your heart to want to draw them in. Because I don't want anybody to be foolish in the ways that I was. I don't want anybody to be stuck running from that when they could be walking towards that. See, the heart of a mother is wired differently because there's that sympathy. There's times that our kids do some things and I'm just like, well, learn that lesson the hard way. And mom's like, no, now just give him some money. Nope, he lost that money. Now he's got a job. I'm like, sucks to suck, bro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But mom was like, no, we'll take care of it. You know, if he can't get gas in his car, we'll put gas in his car. He can learn how that thumb works. <laughs> he needs some discernment, some wisdom in his life. But there's a sympathy, a caring heart about a mother. If we go back to that scripture in the end of Proverbs, I want you to hear these words again because it connects to who not only this mother is, but what are we as the church called? We are called the bride of Christ. In other words, this is not only a declaration of a woman and who she's called to be as a mother. I believe this is an invitation for our heart to align as the bride of Christ to embrace who God's called the church to be as well. Strength and dignity are our clothing. We laugh at the time to come. We open our mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on our tongue. We look well to the ways of our household and do not eat the bread of idleness. Our children rise up and call us blessed. Our husband also. And he praises us. Many others have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But my bride who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give them the fruit of their, of their hands and let their works praise them in the gate. See, there's a reason that the church isn't being praised in the gates anymore.
Mamas, I just want to tell you today that you have a legacy to uphold. And many of you have had broken models that you've tried to operate off of. Maybe they had some strength, but that strength was forged in the sacrifice of dignity. I've met some strong women in this world whose dignity was stripped from them. They were strong because of it, but they were, they were lacking that piece of value in their life. And when God restored that value of their dignity, their strength was now a whole different strength. It wasn't, I have to be a strong woman. It's, I am a strong woman. There's too many ladies out there trying to be strong in areas that you don't have to be because you've just shouldered the burden. Maybe you didn't have a man in your life who could praise you in this way. I'm here to tell you, this is who you are. Regardless of what's been done to you, this is your character. This is the invitation into your identity. We'll preach Father's Day in a couple of weeks. What you've done good enough has held us where we're at. But your heart to grow in the fear and reverence of God and the wisdom of who he is will take this church to the next place. I apologize that we have neglected you as a body of Christ. That we've subjected you to a place in the back. That we told you to be quiet and just listen to what I have to say. That we removed your ability to be our helpmate. That we didn't speak words of praise over you. And instead we expected you to speak them over us. I truly believe we are walking into a new season, a new invitation for the church for couples to coexist as one the way they were intended, not 1A and 1B, not 1 and 2. I will tell you as a husband and a father today, I celebrate you because there's no way I would be here today without you. Men in this room, you better take the charge up. I challenge Aries and Caitlin this week. I was just thinking about this one day, and Morgan, we have a, a mirror on the back of our door in the bathroom, and she closed it so she could look at herself in the mirror, and I opened it back up, and I was like, I can tell you what you look like. <laughs> that probably would not have been what she was looking for. I would give her an overall assessment that did not contribute to what the knowledge that she needed, but, man, y'all know what I'm talking about. I began to think about that. Then when I shared it with them, I said, in a beautiful marriage, you would not need a mirror in your house because you would trust the person on the other end of I do to be able to tell you exactly what they see. And you would trust them in moments where your hair was a little messed up or you didn't have a right matching outfit or something was out of place and they could tell you. Why? Because it wasn't to accuse you, but it was to invite you into a place of betterness. Suddenly two becoming one because I want you walking out in who you were made to be because the moment you do that, it makes the we stronger. If you're not in a relationship today, you better find an, a significant other and you better trust them in a place before you ever say, I do. That what if you didn't need a mirror in your house? See, the strength of a mom today, a true mom, this is the other piece I challenged them. What if you went 30 days and you couldn't say, I love you to your spouse? At the end of those 30 days, would they know you did? If you couldn't tell Jesus, I love you for 30 days, at the end of those 30 days, would he know you did? 
If you couldn't tell the people around you for 30 days that you love Jesus, you had to rip your bumper stickers off, put your t-shirts away. But at the end of those 30 days, they say, that person loves Jesus. See, this is a Mother's Day message. But mamas, more than anybody, I'm thankful today that I had a mama that if she never told me I love you again, there would be zero doubt in my heart. Those of you that have made that impact in your kids, you can see it. They don't always get it right, but they know mama loves them. That's the heart of the church that God's calling. Today, I just want to pray over you as we go. If there's anybody that's been handled a broken model before you, mama didn't get it right. I pray release over you today. Shame of disappointment of attachments that hold you back and say you'll never be better than her. I pray invitation over you of a heavenly assessment of who you've been called to be. I pray that you would begin to read over those scriptures. Write them up, put them on your mirror in your bathroom and begin to declare those things over your life. Father, I pray they would hear your heavenly assessment of who you've called them to be knowing that you've trusted them with these kids. Not that you would always get it right, but that you, not that they would always get it right, but you would always be there with them to help. Father, I pray that their heart today is to seek you and your wisdom. Seek first the kingdom, knowing that all the rest of it will be added unto them. Father, I pray over our kids today that they would begin to speak honor over their mothers. Even in moments they're not honorable, they would find a moment to speak that life over them. Father, I pray over our men and our husbands today that they begin to see their wives the way Jesus sees them. And they begin to speak to that. They begin to call that out. Father, I thank you that for such a time as this, you've prepared us, that we would hear this word today and be challenged to grow, to learn, to listen, so that we can lead, so that we can love, so that we can fear you the one who knows it all, the one who holds time in his hand, the creator of all, that we might love your image like never before so that this world would know that there was a price paid for them. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go.